Hello. I want to talk today about attaining radiant health and well-being. Most people don't understand that their health and well-being depend a great deal more on their attitude than they depend upon the food that they eat, the exercise that they get, the medicines that they take. All of these things, especially the exercise and the food, are important. It would be good to be able to not have to take medicines. And uh, many people believe that if they're ill, there's only one way to get rid of that illness, and that is to get rid of the, uh, is to kill it with, with uh, pills. In fact, the approach to uh, health as a means of getting rid of the enemy, destroying the enemy, destroying the virus, destroying the bacteria, uh, this approach is in itself a negative thing, which is not really very compatible with a positive attitude. That's why you find that hospitals are often places of, of uh, not only physical pain, but sort of a dour place, a lower kind of, of uh, uh, consciousness because of all the, uh, all the fear, all the uh, doubt of themselves and whether they'll get well and so on. But what we need to do is start with who we really are and what we really are. And the pills, if we have to take them, let them be external, let them be extraneous to the effort that we're putting out. Because who you really are and how well you are begins from within and from there goes without. And usually what we find people doing is taking the cosmetic view of health and well-being they think it's sort of like if you had a pimple and you say, all right, I'll cure it by painting it over so you don't see it. Well, that doesn't cure it at all. And so many things that we do to cure illnesses are really cosmetic. They're getting rid of the effect, but they aren't touching the inner cause. If you hate yourself, if you are tense all the time, if you're nervous, fearful, worried, all of these things are going to affect your health no matter what you do. And you find that cheerful people, to a large extent, don't get ill very often. When they do, they get over it quickly. There's a very interesting thing I read in the Reader's Digest some years ago, that they discovered that mothers very often are not, they don't get ill when the family is ill. They're too busy to get ill. They're taking care of their children, they're taking care of their husband. Once, however, the children are back in school, the husband is back at the office, then these mothers suddenly come down with that illness. And why didn't they come down with it earlier? And why have they come down with it now? Earlier they didn't come down with it because they didn't have time to think about getting ill. They were too busy taking care of other people. Later they came down because they didn't, it isn't that they let down their guard, they let down themselves. They were exhausted. They thought, oh, now I can rest. Their willpower uh, took a vacation. And as soon as their willpower took a vacation, the disease was able to enter. Now we're talking of a level of cure and health and well-being that isn't that much known in medical science. It's becoming more and more known. Doctors are becoming more and more aware of how much the mind does play a part in getting a person well, in making a person ill. Nevertheless, they consider it sort of uh, a little additional interesting bit of information. But the more we 
go into the discoveries of science that have begun already at the beginning of this century with the realization that matter really is a manifestation of energy, that it doesn't have an, an intrinsic reality of its own. It's a vibration of energy. Matter doesn't exist except as that manifestation of energy. And having made that discovery, more and more science, medicine, human thinking, everything is moving toward this recognition of energy as the underlying reality of our lives. It's interesting to hear uh, so-called New Age movement. Much of it is just sort of flowing. It doesn't seem to go anywhere, but it's very much in tune with that thought that underlying all these forms, which melodies, chords, musical structure would represent, are just the flow of energy that comes into all these different manifestations. I don't suppose that that will be permanently the form of music for the future, but it bodes a, uh, a new direction. It points a new direction, which I think is going to permeate the <clears throat> uh, use of chords and melody and so on in the future. Everything, I think, is going toward a greater awareness that everything is energy, that uh, our lives are fundamentally ruled not by form, but energy. Our religion is fundamentally ruled not by the dogmas we have, the fixed conceptions, but by the flow of love and inspiration. And that the uh, office or business that a person works in is going to succeed not only by following certain rules, doing certain things, it will go more by the kind of energy that people have, like a store that's a part of our community uh, at Ananda World Brotherhood Village. We have a store that is a, it's a bookshop. It's very well known, actually. It's probably the third most successful uh, metaphysical bookshop in America. That's, that's what it's, uh, I've been told it is. Anyway, East West Bookstore in Menlo Park, when we bought this about 10, 11 years ago, it was owned by somebody who really knew her stuff as far as the business was concerned. The people we moved in and the people who we were hoping to use to keep the same customers didn't know anything about those books. They had to learn from scratch and they came to me very worried, sort of like this, what do we do? And I said, work with your strengths. You don't have this knowledge, your customers can help you to get that knowledge. They can tell you about the books. Bit by bit that will come, but that's not what makes success in a business. What will make success is if you are their friend. That's something we're good at. We're a community that know how to get along well together, to be happy together, to share together, to cooperate. And so they looked upon each customer as a friend. And as a result, they've grown by leaps and bounds far beyond what was already a very successful enterprise. And uh, all, basically, it's not by now they know their books too, but basically it was a matter of attitude. Again, energy. The energy that you put into what you're doing rather than just the rule consciousness. You could have a, you know, St. Francis was working before he left the world and began seeking God. He still didn't know what he wanted, but he had that quality. And he was working in his father's shop. His father was a merchant who imported costly bales of cloth from the Orient and so on. And St. Francis was uh, totally unable to think in terms of finances. 
I think probably because he was too generous with his goods that his father lost money in the end on St. Francis, though I doubt it. Because what happened was that St. Francis was so much the friend of everybody who came in that it became the social center of Assisi, the town they, they lived in. And people would flock there just to spend time talking and they'd buy. And in fact, it became very prosperous that what happened at the end was that St. Francis um, gave too much away because he was, he'd lost interest in business. But if we come back before that, to just that moment when he was actually working in the shop, uh, the shop was much more successful because energy. He worked with energy first and with the specifics and how much this costs and where it came from and all that. Uh, that was not important to him. You will see that people who are successful in this world, whatever their field of action, are more people who work with the energy flow. What we're learning We've already learned in this century, and we're in a new age that will go toward more and more of that view of reality, that matter is an expression of energy and consciousness, rather than energy and consciousness being an outgrowth of matter, a fact that's a, a claim that's untenable now. But uh, the more people understand that, the more they'll see their own bodies in terms of that energy. Now the energy, Yogananda used to use a, a, a little dictum. He said, the greater the will, the greater the flow of energy. When you really want something, you've got tremendous energy to do it. When you don't want it, it's too exhausting even to wash the dishes. You will see that the more you put your will into things, the more willing and joyful you are, the better you can do, the more you can do. Well, the same thing is true not only for what your body does, but for what it does to your body, because the channel is affected by whatever flows through it. Your body is the channel for your mind, for your actions, for your whatever uh, uh, you're trying to accomplish in thinking, in talking, in working, in inspiration, whatever. It all comes down to energy. When the energy level is high, as those mothers is when they're full of uh, the wish to help their children to get well, to help their, their husbands to get well, then the energy can't get in. I mean, the, the bacteria and the viruses can't get in because the energy cauterizes them, you might say. It destroys them. It's almost as if the energy, when the energy is high, it's strengthened. You've heard the word aura, probably, and... Uh, on a show like this, where I talk to a great many different types of people, presumably, uh, the word aura may have a lot of meaning for some and no meaning for others, but it's somewhat demonstrated by Kirillin photography and other things that we do have an energy field around our bodies, which is called an aura. It's also a fact in electricity that when you have electricity running through a wire, it creates a magnetic field, and we have a kind of electricity in our bodies. It's a lot more subtle than electricity, and this aura, too, is a great deal more subtle than electromagnetic energy, but it's also, in its own way, extremely powerful. You've been with some people who are magnetic. Everybody uses that expression. It isn't as if you come near somebody who's magnetic and suddenly your hand is gloms onto his arm and you can't pull it away. It's another kind of magnetism. 
It's a magnetism that when you're in their presence, you feel good. Or some people have negative magnetism and you feel badly in their presence. But uh, people who have high energy always are very magnetic people. And people who have very low energy are always people without magnetism. There are some people who could be in a room and you wouldn't even know they were there. And there are other people who, uh, some people just walk out on the stage as actors and the whole audience is electrified. I've been reading a book on the um, famous actress El Eleonore, uh, Ele Eleonora Duse, and uh, she had that kind of magnetism where she could make a pause on the stage, electric. She could take pauses that no other actor or very few actors would dare take where her just the, her thought was so powerful in what she was feeling as she just would rise slowly, walk to the window, look out the window, slowly turn, and then deliver her line, that people were right there with her. Now that takes magnetism, and that kind of magnetism takes consciousness. And what that consciousness does to generate the magnetism is just emanate energy that energy that comes from willpower. Now that energy has an effect upon your, your health and your well-being, especially if you direct it that way consciously. When you feel unwell, I remember a time years ago, I had a class to give across the city. I was living in San Francisco at the time. It's not a big city. But as I was driving to give that class, you know how sometimes a cold will just seize you suddenly? All of a sudden I felt just completely seized, or as if a cold was trying completely to seize me. And my nose was runny and I, I just felt this sort of uh, grogginess in the head that you get when a cold first comes on. And uh, I just said, well, I can't afford to get ill now. Get out! And I said it with absolute willpower and determination. Just get out! In one second, that cold was gone. I didn't have it. It didn't come back after the class either. I've seen that happen again and again with people. When they put out real energy, then they can be well. And now we're talking about a level of health and well-being that isn't what most people equate with health. You see, most people think they're healthy if they aren't ill. Most people think that uh, they're, they're doing just fine so long as they don't have aches and pains. But are they happy? No. Do they have a radiant sense of health? No. I've known people whose bodies were, were ill, something that was beyond their power to control, and yet they were radiant. I'd say that that radiance was more important than what happens to the body, wouldn't you? Because to be merely to exist, what's the point of that? We want to live. And I've known people in wheelchairs who lived. I've known a lot of people who walked the streets and didn't live at all. They merely existed. So I'm talking of living. I'm talking of, of being this inner being that can radiate outward. But I'm saying, too, that that's, if, if you choose to use it, that energy can be used to also make your body well if you know how to use it. It can be used to fill your body with health, physical health. It can be on both levels. It's not as if you had to choose one or the other. 
that you can be either in a, ra in a wheelchair and be radiant or walking about and be dull, not at all. This radiance can be translated into physical well-being. And that's what uh, uh, I'm trying to say, that the more you deliberately direct your energy toward not just the things that you want to do, but toward your body, so that if you feel, for example, uh, ill in any part, and mentally will the energy to flow to that part. If you can just close your, you know, the center of will is here at the point between the eyebrows. If you can just close your eyes and concentrate there and then will that energy to flow. The energy enters the body here through the medulla oblongata. This was the, the uh, discovery of Paramahansa Yogananda. It's the one part of the body that you can't operate on. They can operate on any other part. But it's the seat of life in the body the seat of self-awareness in the body. And if with willpower you direct that energy to whatever part is not doing well, the more you gain control over that energy, the more you will be amazed to see how it can heal you. It can get rid of the, the uh, bacteria, the viruses, and so on, the toxins. But live always as if in an aura of light. Imagine yourself in this this aura that you generate by the strength of your energy and the magnetic field that comes as a result of that energetic flow. Live, <clears throat> live and walk in that. Everything you do should be magnetic. Magnetic thoughts are positive thoughts. Unmagnetic thoughts are negative or doubtful thoughts. Magnetic attitudes are a joyful, cheerful expectation of life, full of hope and affirmation and, and uh, uh, so on, and an unmagnetic thought that way would be the opposite, despair, despondency, moods, discouragement. Again, love is magnetic, hatred is unmagnetic, demagnetizing, you might say. Um, peace is magnetic, and lack of peace and nervousness, restlessness, demagnetize you. In fact, the essence of this whole thing is to live First of all, in peace. The energy I'm talking about is not that kind of electric wired thing. It's from a deep sense of peace within that you can vibrate outward these uh, flows of energy into every field that you are contemplating of involving yourself in. And when you have that peace and with that peace fill yourself with energy but with great willpower also, you will find that you can be master of your destiny and you can live in radiant health and well-being all your life, even when you're old.